don't know about you, but that's hard to watch. That is hard to watch. So we watch our Savior as they treated him like that. Jerry, open us up a prayer, please, buddy. Very good. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, we'll be in 1 Corinthians 15 if you want to turn there, please. Uh, I'll eventually we'll get there. We're looking at one verse today. Uh, the title of the message is Victory in Jesus. And we can have victory in Jesus because of what you just saw on that screen. Victory in Jesus. I have to admit something to you guys that maybe you knew about me, maybe you didn't is that I absolutely love to win. Whatever I'm doing, i got to win. Okay? Victory. I love the thrill of victory. I remember as a young kid, uh, my brother and myself, we would play cards, canasta with my grandparents down in Colgate, Oklahoma. And it was always my brother and myself against the grandparents. I know there's something wrong about this, but I wanted to beat them. Okay, I know you're not supposed to be grandparents, but I'd like to win. I like victory. Growing up playing basketball and baseball in the neighborhood with my brother and, and other kids, I had to win. I just wanted to win so bad. I've gotten a little better, as Rhonda shakes her head, no. <laughs> Uh, we go play dominoes sometimes there at the house and have, have uh, the kids over or something. We're playing dominoes. And I have to admit, I really do want to win the dominoes. I mean, it's just something about winning that just is, is just, just something I just got to have. Okay? Or maybe we go out to the backyard and we, we're playing cornhole. And you would never know that I'm trying to beat you. You would never know it. I've lost once all summer. I just need to throw that into you, okay? I love to win. And no matter what I, what I do, whatever sport I'm playing in, no matter what I'm going to, uh, you might not know it, but I got to win. That is just something inside of me that says, Don, you got to do your very dead level best in order to win. Now, if I don't, now you might never know how I feel. But I might not talk to you for a week, okay? That's just the way it is. There was a TV show uh, years ago before ESPN, and it's called The Wide World of Sports. And the opening of Wide World of Sports, some of you I know have seen this, it was uh, 
the thrill of victory, and they'd have all these pictures of these guys doing great things, the thrill of victory. And then the next sentence they would go, but the agony of defeat. And they have some guy falling off the solemn there and breaking everything he's got. And that kind of just typifies my attitude about competition. I love the thrill of victory. And defeat is just agony for me. I mean, it just, it just really is. I mean, I, I coached for 13 years. And I remember the losses. I don't remember the wins. It's just, that's just the way that, that God has geared me up. It's the thrill of victory. I love to, I love to win. Even, even at my age. So if, if, if we're doing something and we're playing something or we need to be somewhere, somewhere, I might try to be there first. Matter of fact, I, didn't, I wasn't going to tell you this, but I was here first today, okay, at church, opening up everything. I was, just throw that in. But, you know, there's other things that are greater than just that. There's other things that are greater than just the thrill of victory by having scoring more points than you, being someplace before you. And the greatest thrill of victory is the victory in Jesus and what he's done for us. Victory in Jesus. There's nothing greater than that. There is no greater thrill that a person can have. Victory in Jesus. And we're going to look at that today just a little bit in 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul is, Paul is writing and uh, he's excited about this topic he's going to be writing about and he's excited about the victory that this topic brings. And he wants to share his excitement with us, if you would. So in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, I just want to just look at here just for a second. And, and I just want to just start off this way. In the first 19 verses of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about the resurrection and the value of the resurrection and, of course, we're talking about Jesus' resurrection from the grave. That's what he's talking about. And he's writing there, and he's talking about this, and you can almost see his excitement in it. And he, and he says, you know, without the resurrection, if there is no resurrection, that means that when Jesus died, there he sits in that grave even today, if there is no resurrection. And if Jesus died, and he's sitting in that, in that grave, and he's bones right there, he said, if that is the case, then our faith is worthless. He said, our preaching is in vain. We are people that have no hope. And he says, we are men that are to be most pitied if there is no resurrection. I mean, the key to victory in a person's life is the resurrection. Did you know that? And then verses 20 through 49, in verse 20, he says this. And this, this is kind of where he starts getting a little bit excited about things. He says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. That ought to be a hallelujah. That ought to be an amen because it says, now Christ has been raised from the dead. That's the resurrection. And for the next 29 verses, he talks about that order of the resurrection, Christ being the first fruits of that resurrection. And then it's beginning in verse 50, kind of where I want to go today. He talks about the mystery and the mystery of, of the resurrection. And, and he talks about this. this uh, he says, I'm just not for sure I get this. That how does this perishable body, this body that you and I are living in right now, who is decaying and getting older and rusting out and decaying out and we got disease, we got all kind of stuff in this old body. How is this perishable body one day going to be made into 
an imperishable body, okay, that lives with God and is in the home in heaven, and our bodies will be perfected and it just suited just right for the present heaven and also the new heaven and the new earth. How is that going to happen? And, and Paul says that is, that is a mystery, that he's really not sure how all that's going to happen. But in then verse 57, he comes to it and he, and he kind of sums it up, if you would. But he says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I think Paul understood the thrill of victory. And when he thought about the thrill of victory, who could he think, think caused that thrill of that victory? He said, Nothing, no, nobody but Jesus Christ causes the thrill of victory in his life. So what, is that, what does that thrill of victory look like? Okay. And I'm going to try to be real quick today. I know we've got a lot to get done. But what does that thrill of victory look like? The first thing it says that I think we want to know is that thrill of victory is that victory over sin for the believer. We have victory over sin. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, as Christians, we have victory over sin. We have victory over the penalty of sin. When we accepted Christ as Savior, we accepted that free gift of salvation, did we not? And because of that, the Bible says we will never be judged for our sins. We will never be judged. We do not have to pay the penalty for our sins because the way it's set up for every person that's ever been born, they sin. And there's going to be a price to pay because of that sin. But because of Jesus and his resurrection and us accepting that free gift of eternal life, we do not have to deal with the penalty of sin. Because when we move from this old earth to our heavenly home, all we're doing is relocating. And there will be no penalty. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation for the Christian. What a victory that is for you and I. We don't deal with the penalty of sin. The second thing we see here, we, don't, we have victory over the power of sin in our lives. Philippians 2.13 says it this way. For it is God who is at work in you, both to and will and to work for his good pleasure. God is working in us. Do you get that? Do you get that? That, that because we have been born again, sin has no power over us. Now, Christians, sometimes we just think that, man, I am so beat up with sin. I am so beat up with what's going on in here. And we just give the devil too much credit. But you see, the Bible says that we have a God that lives within us through the Holy Spirit. And if we will walk by the Spirit, what does it say? We will not carry out the desires of the flesh, Galatians 5, 16. See, we do not have to be defeated by sin. We do not have to be beat down by sin. Because we have the power of holy God that lives within us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living right here in us. And when sin comes knocking at our door and try to run over us, all we have to do is say, Jesus, rebuke him for me. Get him out of my way. I am a child of the king and he has no power in my life. When temptation comes, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says what? He says, God, I am faithful. And when temptation comes and the Satan tries to grab a hold of you with his power, the Bible says, I will give you a way of escape. I will make a back door. I will get you out of any situation that you need. And he says, why am I going to do that? Because I am faithful, he says. I will do it every time. 
Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, sin does not have any power over you if you are a child of the king. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever let anybody tell you any different. You have power over sin. The third thing I want to show here with victory over sin is we have victory over the presence of sin. Over the presence of sin. We live in this old world today and we've got sin all around us. I mean, you can't turn on a TV without seeing it. You can't turn the radio on without hearing it. You can't walk down the street without seeing it. But one day, one day, I want you to understand this, one day, there's going to be a day coming when you will no longer be in the presence of sin. You will no longer have to see it. You no longer have to hear it. You no longer have to be tempted by it. Because one day, born again Christian, when God says enough's enough for you, and he sends his angels to come and get you, to transport you from this whole earthly home to your heavenly home, and the angels take you and they put you right there in the presence of holy God, you'll never have to deal with sin again. Never have to do sin again. I don't know about you, but that is, that's victory for the Christian. That's, that gives us something to look forward to, that one of these days, we do not have to walk around in this old muck and mire sin, and we'll be free from the presence of sin. Paul says that is victory, guys. I want you to understand what the thrill of victory is. It is a power that sin has no longer has over us. We don't have to deal with the penalty, the power, or the presence of sin. Paul says that's the thrill of victory. And for every person who is not born again, they, don't, they will never experience that thrill of victory. But all they will experience for eternity is the agony of defeat. That's a sad story. But as Christians, we have victory. I want you to understand that. That is really good news. And it's all because it comes through where? Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that. Second thing I want you to know real quickly. I'll move quickly. We have thrill of victory over suffering. Did you know that? We have thrill of victory over suffering. In 2 Corinthians 12, uh, we can read the story about the Apostle Paul. And we, and we see this Apostle Paul, and, and he, is, he is battling this thorn of the flesh. <laughs> he, he writes, and I think it's verse, uh, verse 7 there. He writes in there that God has given me so much of revelation, and he's given me so much things to write about. And, and the things that I write about are not my thoughts and not my opinions. It has come directly from God Almighty. And he said he's given me these revelations. He's given me a, a glimpse of heaven, if you would. But then he says, I got this thorn in my side. I got something here that, that God has given to me that is to buffet me, is to make sure that I don't exalt myself, that I don't bring pride into my, my ministry. You see, God knows what you and I need, does he not? And God sometimes will bring things into our lives that we don't like and we don't understand and we don't enjoy. But God does it for a reason. He does it for a purpose. And maybe one of those purposes is so you won't get puffed up with pride. Maybe you won't think you're just bigger than you really are. I don't know. But Paul dealt with that. And he dealt with the idea of three times, God. Three times. Man, come on, God. Three times. Would you please remove this thorn from me? This pain, this ache I got, or this deformity that I've got. Whatever it was. And God's great answer is What? <laughs> My grace, son, is efficient for you. 
My grace, son, is all that you need. Don't worry about it, son. My grace will carry you through. You see, as Christians, sometimes we think that we are immune from suffering, from suffering, from disappointments, from despair. We're immune to that. No, we're not. You know, we think that because we are faithful in the Lord that we will be exempt from hard times and difficult times. And the Bible says, no, that's not true. That's not true. But you might be a child of God. You might be be the greatest soul winner ever, but that doesn't mean you won't have struggles in this life. And Paul says, I want you to be prepared for that. You can have victory over those kinds of things when they come into your life. You see, You see, in Romans, it talks about when all those things come into our life that are not comfortable for us and not pleasant for us. We can understand in Romans 8, 28, that it says it's the things that's happening in your life is for your good. You see, God wants to mold us into a person that looks just like his son, Jesus. He wants us to be able to speak like him and to act like him and to look like him and react like him. That's what he wants. And God wants to shape us. And we need to let God do that. So he says, I'll bring this stuff into your life, and it's for your good, guys. It's for your good, Don. But it's also for his glory. So when we're struggling and we understand that sometimes life doesn't fit like we want it to fit, we understand that we have victory over suffering because we know God hears, and we we know that God sees, and we know that God understands, and we know that God has a plan for us, and we know that whatever His plan is, is best for you. And then what comes down the road is for my good and for His glory. Paul understood that. In verses 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he says this, and it's what a great attitude about suffering and disappointment and struggles. And he says this, um, most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses, Paul says, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content, he says, with weaknesses. He says, I'm content with insults and with distresses. I'm content with persecutions and with difficulties which come because of Christ's sake. And then he says, for when I am weak then I am strong. Paul says you have victory over suffering in your life. You have victory over the circumstances in your life. Christian friend, we've got to keep our hearts open and our minds be able to hear the, the gospel and hear the, the power of God working in our lives because, because God can take a tragedy and turn it into a triumph. Who would not want that? I don't know about you, but that is victory. That is the thrill of victory. When we have power over sin and we have power over suffering, that is victory. The greatest kind of victory. The third victory I want to look at just real quick, and I'll be done on this part. We have victory over death. As a believer, we have victory over death. You see, Jesus came to taste death for every person. Did you know that? Hebrews 2, 9 says this, But we do not see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Jesus came to defeat death in this old world. Did you know it? Jesus' death on a cross, he, he went gladly to that so that he would experience what death meant 
what death felt like. He wanted to experience literally hell on this earth as he went to the cross at Calvary. And he did that not because he wanted to. He did that because he didn't want us have to experience the very same thing. So he came to taste death like everybody else. It was God's plan that he did that. That just didn't happen. God chose it that way. That I'm sending my son to, to taste death like all of us. And he's going to experience the, the heartache and the badness of death. So that you and I as believers do not ever have to. I don't know about you, but that is victory over death. Jesus came to put death to death. To destroy its power. Hebrews 2.14 says this, that through death he might render powerless him who had power of death, that is, the devil. You see, we find in the scriptures that the grave could not hold him, could it? The tomb could not keep him in there because he has defeated death through the resurrection. That is victory at its highest level when he has defeated death, he's defeated the, the master of death, the enemy. And he has done all of that just for us. And it was God's plan that he did it. I'm so glad he came to destroy death on this side. Third thing, he came to deliver us from the fear of death. Jesus came to deliver us from the fear of death. There's so many folks in this old world today. They're worried about dying, aren't they? Oh, what's, what's going to happen? Where am I going to go? Where am I going to be? Oh, I just don't want to pass from this old earth. But did you know as a born-again Christian, we don't fear death. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear what's going to happen. Because you see, Jesus defeated death. And we find out in the scriptures that he has a very special place for us. Hebrews 2.15 says... And might free those who through fear of death were subject to the slavery of our lives. We don't have to be bogged down, held down, if you would, because we fear death. On Wednesday nights, we've been looking at heaven for I don't know how many weeks. And we're going to keep looking at heaven for how many weeks? I don't know. Who knows? And the point being is we have questions about the hereafter. We have the questions about when, when we are relocated from this old earth to our heavenly home. And there's victory in that for the believer. There's victory in that knowing that when I take my last breath here, I take my first breath in heaven. That is a thrill of victory. You don't have to worry about it. Matter of fact, as Christians, we need to be looking forward to that. You know, we're kind of like the Apostle Paul, or we're not. You know, he said, you know, I got a, I got a lot of good here that needs to be done. I want to keep doing it. I, I just want to be there. But there's something about it, he says, that I long to be in the presence of holy God. I long for heaven because I know how beautiful that's going to be. I know I'll be able to walk the streets of gold and, and there goes Jesus walking there beside me. I know I'll be able to rub shoulders with him and rub shoulders with the apostle Paul and all those great prophets of old and all those great saints of old. I know that's going to happen one of these days. And I'll be able to converse with them. And I'll be able to talk with them. And I'll be able to sit down and have a meal with them. And all those great things. But ultimately the biggest thrill of victory for the believer is when we pass from here to there. We are moving into the very presence of God. When we think of heaven, we don't think about 
pearly gates and streets of gold. We are to think that this is the home of Almighty God. In the throne of Jesus, there it sits. And there he sits on it. If we can ever get that thought into our mind, we would never have to fear death on this side. Because we know death is not permanent. Death is just a transition for eternity. You know, Paul was excited. He said, man, I got, I got victory over sin. <laughs> sin doesn't have any claim on me now. No penalty. He said, you know, I got victory. I got victory because I have victory over suffering. The heartaches of this world are not worthy or not compared to what God has for us later on down the road. Romans eight eighteen. And then he said, man, I'm so excited. I don't have to worry about dying anymore. I don't have to worry about dying because I know where I'm going. Without a shadow of a doubt. Bingo, bango. When I take my last one here, I'm in the presence of God. And I've been carried there by his angels. That's a beautiful thought, is it not? But I believe it's the truth. Victory. We have victory today because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and how he raised from the dead gives us that victory. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time. Father, I thank you that you gave us victory in all areas of our lives. Father, I pray as Christians, we'll begin to start feeling that victory. We'll begin to accept that, those victories, God. Father, we have victory over sin. It has no power over us anymore, God. I pray that we'll be a people that live that way. Father, I pray that we, when we're suffering and disappointments and heartaches come into our lives, we're not defeated by that, but we know we have victory over that because of the resurrection, Lord and Savior. And Father, when we think about dying and death, we have victory there. God, I am so thankful that we, we as Christians get to experience the thrill of victory and not the agony of defeat. And it's all because of what your son did on that cross, God. Father, I pray that we'll be people. That as we live our lives, we will live our lives in victory and not in defeat. Because you, are, you have called us to be your son and your daughter. Chosen, forgiven, redeemed, and sealed. Thank you, Father. Father, in your holy name, I pray these things. Amen.